0: The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.
1: And now it's time for Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Must be saturday afternoon at 2 p.m or it might be wednesday night from night uh, at 9 p.m we're on twice a week to talk about your career talk about the talent pools the job markets the workplace everything related to being successful at work in the job and we talk a lot about the economy we did that last week again with um one of our favorite guests as well michael hartzman and lately we've been doing a lot about ceo confidence Indexes, which really are, are sort of prognosticators for the economy and for the, the health of the workforce uh, going forward. This week, we don't have a confidence index, but we have the guest who is responsible for bringing us all those wonderful confidence indexes. And we have some great topics to discuss today. His name is Jack, Jeff Oak. Jeff is a Vistage chair, which means that he has the privilege of working with Long Island CEOs and business owners who are hungry, humble, and smart. And I want to strengthen our companies, families, and communities. Jeff is an executive coach, leadership consultant, and trusted advisor with 30 years of experience leading small, medium, and large companies. Vistage Worldwide was founded 65 years ago and has 45,000 members in 35 countries. It's the oldest and largest organization for CEOs of small to mid-sized companies. In 2020, at the height of the pandemic, Vistage member companies grew their annual revenue. This is a great stat by 4.6%, while non-member companies saw revenue decline by 4.7%. This is according to a study of & Bradstreet data. So created in 2003, the Vistage CEO Confidence Index has grown to be the largest and most comprehensive report of the opinions and projections from CEOs of small to mid-sized businesses, a trusted barometer for the economic outlook of our nation's small business leaders on topics such as economic sentiment, employment, capital expenditures, and revenue, and profit expectations of small and mid-sized businesses. We have featured the CEO Confidence Index on Jobline multiple times, and we have more dates already on the calendar, so we can continue to share that data with our listeners. Uh, But today, we're going to talk about some leadership some management, and I'm sure this is as a result of the data Jeff accumulates from his constant conversations with CEOs. Jeff, welcome to Radio Jobline.
0: I'm delighted to be here, Scott.
1: So long distance this time.
0: Long distance. (laughs) Uh, Not so sunny North Carolina. It was minus one degree this morning.
1: Oh, please don't complain. Here in New York, it's not exactly balmy, it's um, it's miserable, absolutely miserable, people, people don't even want to go outside, so uh, we're at that point of the winter, Jeff, you know, we get there every year from late January through early March, where you don't want to go outside, I'm one of those people, I hate cold weather, and uh, I was almost hoping that you were going to tell me it was just 75 and balmy down there in North Carolina.
0: No, I'm in the mountains. I'm in the mountains of western, the western part of the state.
1: All right. So uh, I'll, I'll try to remember not to go there. Um, but okay. in, in the meantime, uh, Jeff, you always bring us great data. And, and that's one of the things about what makes you a special guest here for Radio Jobline. Those CEO confidence indexes are beautiful, they, they give the economic sentiment of the CEO. Tell us a little bit about. Vistage and what you do on a day-to-day basis with the two groups you're running. You have a group that uh, is is sort of large companies and and, and mid-sized companies.
0: Yes, that's right. Thank you, Scott. I I work with uh, several dozen CEOs and small business owners on Long Island, and what that means, I serve as a Vistage chair, as you mentioned, what that means is that I have the privilege and the opportunity to bring together these CEOs and business owners Help them connect with each other and share their perspectives with each other in a confidential, non competing environment uh, where uh, the object, everybody's an objective peer and is completely unafraid to challenge each other to offer viewpoints and perspectives that an individual member may not be hearing, our, and so we meet once a month. It's it's uh, an invigorating time together, lots of back and forth, uh, lots of rolling up our sleeves, working on our businesses, and so the first element of being a Vistage Chair is leading these monthly peer advisory board meetings. It really is a bit like uh, a board of directors, which is why... We call it a board and why my role is called a chair. In addition to those group meetings, I meet with each member uh, privately once a month uh, to really uh, dig into the issues and challenges and opportunities that are unique uh, to them and their business, and that allows me to do a deeper dive. So the combination of those two things plus outside speakers makes for really an ideal environment for people who want to grow and learn as leaders
1: yeah and i enjoyed the time that you invited me jeff to talk uh, about staffing to to uh to some of your ceos and what i was really impressed by not only your leadership but you know they they were just normal folks you know, they they didn't seem like Elon Musk or you know any of these people we think of when we hear the term CEO. You know, we we think of a a person who's a billionaire or or close to that, Jeff Bezos or something. You, the yeah. low, the the CEOs of more normal sized companies don't get the publicity, so we don't know them. But I was very impressed with how down to earth they were and uh, how anxious they were to learn and uh, just a bunch of great guys. So
0: yeah, we'll and and the thing I would add about the small business community. The leaders of these companies, they're really the heroes of the U.S. economy. So much, uh, an enormous percentage of, um, a- anytime there's a growth in jobs, it's 75% of it uh, is accounted for by, of, of job growth is accounted for by small and mid-sized companies. These are these are the people on the front lines uh, fighting it out every day to deliver goods and services to their customers and clients. Uh, grow their employee base, their market share, uh, and really do right—not only by their companies, but to make an impact in their communities uh, and, frankly, in their own families. Yep. Uh, and, and people and striving to be better leaders in every domain.
1: People forget that uh, even Long Island, which is just a microcosm of the country, but even Long Island has somewhere around eighty-three thousand companies, and the word is that only a thousand have more than 100 employees and that most of the companies on Long Island have 20 employees or less. Yes. So, you know, you got to think about the reality of what's out there. And those are the companies creating all the jobs and uh, a lot of the revenue and tax revenue as well. So uh, anyway, today, let's talk about we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about management. You told me you you mentioned this 2010 study by Joyce Hogan and Robert Kaiser. Tell me about that.
0: Yes, yes. You know that I always like to bring data. Vistage is a very data-driven organization, and we we really uh, ground our work in developing leaders in in data. So I've got a couple of data points that I think set the context for the importance of teamwork as a leadership competency Mm -hmm. when running a business. So there was a 2010 study by Joyce Hogan and Robert Kaiser, a couple of researchers that looked at, they studied when leadership fails. Uh, And a very disquieting statistic that came out of it is that in three quarters of the cases, where a leader is launched, that, that, that leadership is not successful. Uh, and they, and they have some very specific ways of measuring success in terms of growth and revenue and a variety of things. So three quarters of leaders, uh, are not successful in their roles. It doesn't necessarily mean they get run out on a rail, doesn't necessarily mean they get fired, but by the measure, the, the, the metrics that we typically use to measure success, uh, they are not successful. So that, that's the headline, and I want to give a couple of subplots under that headline. The first is, what does strong business performance come from? Another study that documented that nearly 40% of the difference in business performance. So if you've got a high-performing company, uh, in four out of ten times, that high performance is directly attributable to the effectiveness of that leader. So leadership is incredibly important to the metrics that we traditionally look to. Why is that? Another study. (laughs) The average employee in a U.S. company is forty-two years old when he or she gets their first leadership training. You might say, "Okay, what's 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 the big deal with that?" Mm. Well, forty-two years is ten years after the average employee have already been supervising people. So they've been supervising people for ten years, mm. uh, and they get their first leadership training. And when they get that first leadership training, it's twenty years after their first exposure to leadership. This is so a, we wonder it, why, there, why there's a leadership crisis, yeah. why three-quarters of leaders are not successful, why there's such a difference in business performance. It's because, uh, and, and, I, and, and we, we can put ourselves all in this category, we're not giving people the training in leadership that they need when they need it. We're f- very late to the party a decade after they begin supervising people. Jeff, so the,
1: that- the first thing the first thing that hits hits my mind when you said that was the blurred line between management and leadership. Yes. People think just because you're a manager that you're a great leader or just because you're a great leader you're a, you're a great manager. Two separate and distinct things.
0: Yes. Absolutely.
1: So how, you know it's very hard i think companies are confused about it. So when they make you a supervisor uh, they are assuming you have the qualities to be a great leader, um, and that's why they're making you a supervisor. So, so almost by design, they 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 just assume that you're not going to have these great leadership skills. So, don't you think these these things should be more clearly separated?
0: Yes, I do, and I want to. And I want to build on a comment. You make you make a great point, Scott, about the difference between leadership and management. Something that I see time and time again. Uh, in the companies that are part of my groups, is that uh, an organization will identify a high performer? They might they might have technical skills, they might have service skills, but they're they're a, a strong high performing individual contributor. And they say, okay, this person, they're a great employee. Let's make them a manager. Right. Being an individual contributor. And, and being effective in that and being effective as a manager are, are two completely different things. And I think it's one of the factors that contributes to this statistic that it's a decade after someone uh, has been supervising people that they get their first formal leadership training on average. Uh, it's because we equate a high-performing individual that they're going to be a high-performing manager. And yeah, so this have this be developed for. Yeah,
1: this this is very apparent in the world of sales, because yes. if if you have a fabulous sales performer who's basically producing a million dollars more than everybody else, you want to make him a manager. You know, yes. you want first of all, you want to reward him, I guess, but uh, but also you want to make him a manager and have him pass on those wonderful qualities, whatever he's got. Uh, to the rest of the staff, but that doesn't necessarily include management or leadership training.
0: Yes. And sales is a great example. And it's probably one of the most common areas where CEOs, in many cases, take a great salesperson and then makes them the manager or the VP of the sales department. And then they wonder why they're not successful in that role when they were such a great salesperson. So your example is a good one.
1: So, uh, but but shouldn't it be accompanied? In other words, if you're going to make your best salesperson a manager, shouldn't you teach him how to be a leader before you make the jump?
0: A- absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and and let me just say a word about Vistage's response to that dynamic that you describe. We are fundamentally a leadership organization, and while I talked with you about the CE groups that I lead, we also have leadership programs for individuals who are the direct reports to the CEO, so that first tier of leadership uh, at the at the, the, the C-suite level, we have a leadership program for first-time managers. Um, Uh, people who are managing people for the first time. It's a little bit different in its, in its program structure. Uh, but there are many common themes. And we have a program for people who are kind of in the middle. They're, they're not first time managers, but they're not in the C-suite yet. So we have a third program. So we've identified the, the capabilities that are essential at every one of those levels and uh, design a program to, to provide the capabilities to individuals who are serving their organizations at those levels. And it's, it's very structured. As I mentioned earlier, it's based on data, and it's based on six decades of experience working with leaders.
1: Yeah, and uh, I can can use myself and also the business that I'm in, Jeff, as a great example to support this. So uh, I remember um, I opened my own company, uh, you know, 3,000 years ago, B.C. I mean, it was (laughs) so long nobody would ever remember it, but um, I remember opening my own company, and I didn't have any professional training in leadership or management. In fact, I didn't even have a business plan. I was coming out of another search firm, and I was v- very good. I was a very good producer. I had some good customers, and I went into another company, and I almost didn't make it, but I did make it. And and I guess I had the natural ability that I was lacking in training. I guess I made up for it in natural ability. So I was one of the lucky ones. But yes. But look at think look at all these people that go into their own business and try to run a business in that one million to ten million dollar range where you've got so many people in your groups. A lot of them haven't had any leadership or management training.
0: Yes, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right, and and that the group the the one to ten million dollar range those are those are primarily uh, many of those uh, uh, leaders are owner operators. They're the chief cook and bottle washer. They're they're really the only captain on the ship. They're they're um, they've got they've got a, they've got a skeletal crew, but they're they're really. Uh, doing everything in the company, that creates a set of leadership challenges that are unique to that circumstance. And I have a group for individuals in that category. And then once you get above the $10 million range, that tends to be a threshold where the nature of the organization changes, the issues change, and it's generally where people who lead companies begin to develop uh, and have their own leadership teams that are more evolved and more structured, and that brings with it a different set of challenges because the CEO in that instance is is um, in the position of needing to develop his his or her leaders, um, and and that's a different set of leadership challenges and opportunities. So yeah. you're absolutely right that when people start businesses for the first time. Uh, it can be a very difficult uh, road, in the ab- especially in the absence of formal leadership training. And that's where Vistage seeks to respond to the need.
1: So looking back at the stat you gave earlier, you know, the 75% failure rate of leaders, I'm thinking to myself, in that same situation that I was in, I would say 90%. Of people would not have succeeded. I was just, yeah. you know, lucky, you know, to to have the right uh, to be born with the right qualities. So, so, yeah. uh, but most people aren't.
0: Yes, and and and, and that that seventy five percent number, it makes sense when you think about how many people among all the people who tried to start a small business, how many actually succeeded in getting that off the ground. It's a very very big number, and so that that percentage of 75 percent of of leadership of leaders um, fail it's often failing for the first time and then many of them uh, go back at it and and are successful the second or third time around so
1: anyway anyway, you speaking of 75 percent one of the points you mentioned here is 75 percent of employees report that their manager is the worst part of their job
0: and uh, you know
1: that speaking of 75 percent we're on the subject
0: yeah, that's such a sober t- statistic, and I and I and I present this to my members all the time uh, because when I share data with them, I, I say, "Look, you're, you're probably thinking that you're not in, um, and none of your managers are in these categories." But I said, "If you think that all of your managers are rock stars, and if we think we were, you know." world's greatest gift to to management and leadership, we really need to look more critically. And that, that's where the vistage groups, um, we provide constructive feedback. We have we have something that we call care frontation. We we create a caring environment and then we confront each other. We challenge each other as peers and that challenge might take the form of look i think you're making assumptions that are not accurate or i think you've got a blind spot or i think you've you've uh, you haven't given this person enough support or you're holding on to this other person too long uh, and need to make a transition this is where these very tough conversations happen because it is a group of peers non-competing or objective who who will tell it like they see it.
1: All right, very good. We got a news break coming up. You listen to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor, joined by Jeff Oak today, a Vistage chair, uh, excellent guest, really smart guy. And uh, if you have an idea for Radio Jobline, you can just write to me, ScottP118 at gmail.com scottp118 at gmail.com and you should connect with me on LinkedIn because all of the radio shows once they're broadcast here on L.I. News Radio are, are put on my LinkedIn page so connect with me be right back And now, welcome back to Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on LI News Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Oak, a Vistage chair from a wonderful, wonderful organization that actually comes on Jobline every quarter and gives us something called the CEO Confidence Index, which is sort of a forecast or a insight into what CEOs in the United States and here in the region are thinking. Uh, today, we're actually taking a sidebar and talking a little bit more about leadership today, especially, and we're going to talk about team building as well. But um, I was just thinking, you know, Jeff made the point, 75% of employees report that their manager is the worst part of their job. And I'm a manager. So I wonder if three quarters of my staff uh, says that about me. But anyway, we, we, we got to hope that's not the case. Uh, Jeff, welcome back.
0: Thank, great to be here, Scott.
1: Jeff. Before we get too started, let's let's uh, give people your website because you have room in your one of your um, uh, sectors, the one million to ten million dollar weight class, and and I want people to know how to reach you or reach out to you if they want training and leadership management or or they want to be part of the CEO.
0: Sure. So the Vistage website is Vistage, V as in Victor, I S T A G E. V-I-S-T-A-G-E dot com. And I can be reached directly on LinkedIn. It's Jeff Oak, J-E-F-F, and then Oak like a tree, O-A-K, J-E-F-F-O-A-K. And uh, feel free to reach out to me with a direct message or check out the Vistage website.
1: Wonderful. Okay. So uh, let's move a little bit down the the list. And uh, I I was very um, interested, uh, again, loving the data. And get, and and realizing that we need more of this on Radio Jobline, uh, the top 10 challenges for CEOs, right?
0: Yes. And Uh, this, yes. So, so the number one challenge for CEOs, and this is a result of our own Vistage, uh, research, their number one priority is developing the next generation of leaders. So CEOs recognize the critical, um, importance of, Effective leadership in the next generation that's coming along That's a really uh, that tells speaks volumes about what's most on the mind of CEOs Which is is really do I have do I have the right leaders in place?
1: Mm. And and how I guess how do they go about it? I mean do they do this same training that we're talking about or do Are they looking for the natural qualities Jeff? Which is it?
0: um uh, I think I think there there certainly are some natural capabilities that can predispose someone to being an effective leader, but it's it's mostly learning, it's mostly practice, it's mostly modeling. You can take uh, you can you can take someone very far by. Providing them with the right resources, with the right experiences, with mentoring, with peer advisory groups, and the like, um, uh, and and it it brings to mind the key capabilities of leaders. And I find this a really interesting list, Scott. A lot of people, when you say what's the what are the what are the top capabilities of the best leaders out there, and the things that people put forward are often pretty far down on the list the number one capability shouldn't surprise us but it does is listening right <laughs> listening is a skill that we can acquire there's some who are naturally good listeners but it's a skill um asking good questions we spend a lot of time in in teaching our ceos modeling our ceos how to really ask a question to get the information that they want. Articulating issues clearly. Um, uh, great leaders have an ability to look at a situation and assess what's going on and articulate it. The one I, one of the ones that's one of my favorite capabilities that's in the top five is giving and receiving feedback. And in, in, uh, in the spirit of sobering statistics, uh, the the Gallup organization have done a, has recently done a survey that only twenty six percent of employees, t- only one out of four, strongly agree that the feedback that they get from their boss actually helps them improve their work.
1: Hmm. So one out of four a lot of
0: bosses who are given a lot of feedback, and and only twenty five percent is actually helping employees. Do
1: their jobs. So we can say seventy five percent. We'll stick with the seventy five percent are failing at that. So so that seventy five percent keeps coming up too. By the way, yeah. the, um, the theme. the listening, asking good questions, articulating issues clearly, giving and receiving feedback, showing empathy. Those are five things that I would tell a job candidate to do on a job interview. Yes. So they go across the board. Yeah, that's why you're good at what you do. Well, no, those are great skills, and 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 if you can show empathy on a job interview, you know, without overdoing it. You know, it's it's actually a pretty strong thing to do. And, uh, of course, articulating issues, you got to explain your experience, asking good questions, shows you did your homework, and that you can walk and chew gum at the same time, and active listening, you know, because if you don't listen, you're blocking out what the other person is saying and focused only on what you're saying. So, uh, none of those things work on a job interview either. So, uh, I'm yes. with you, Jeff. I'm with you.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So, uh, all right. So, so, then... Uh, so, twenty-six so percent of employees strongly agree that the feedback actually helps them. Likelihood of success in developing new positive habits increases quite a bit when you partner with an accountability group, something like Vistage.
0: Yes, and that's that's um, our key value proposition. Is, is this is based on this data point? Accountability—it's top of mind for leaders. It's one of the hardest things. Um, to do effectively and consistently, and one of the hardest things is keeping ourselves accountable to the goals that we set for ourselves. This is, there's some powerful data out there that uh, individuals um, who are trying to develop new habits, new capabilities, new skills are five times more successful in developing those new habits when they partner with an accountability group, rather than trying to go it alone. So many of us uh, are wired that I've just got to do it myself. I got to do it myself. We're lone rangers. When in fact, when we partner with a group of peers in a group, in in a group context that focuses on accountability, our success rate in building new skills goes through the roof. Hmm. And that's, the key value, when I when when I ask my members what's what what, what are the, what's the biggest value proposition that they've gotten from Vistage, uh, this is at the top of the list is the the this, the the culture of accountability that we create in our groups.
1: Excellent. All right, now let's shift over to teams. So yeah. uh team building is you know I mean it's easy to say Jeff but that stops right there there's nothing easy about team building uh it it's difficult it's challenging it's you, sometimes you take backward steps uh let's talk about team building where where do people go wrong
0: ah they go they go wrong in so many ways and th- this is a hard thing to do B- highly effective teams high performing teams are among the most important success factors in businesses and they're one of the the highly effective teams are one of the hardest things to create. And I'm just going to introduce a very big topic as a way of frankly reassuring your listeners that there's a lot of different capabilities that are necessary and Nobody has all these capabilities, so I'm going to walk through um, six forms, six types of capabilities, and uh, following the work of Patrick Lencioni, uh, who is a, a very important consultant that we've that produced some great stuff. He refers to these as as geniuses, working geniuses. So, what's a working genius? There are six types of working genius. Every one of these capabilities is required for a team to get stuff done. you got to have all of these capabilities. Let me just run through them very quickly. And then I want to really address your audience with the importance of them understanding the gifts that they have Mm -hmm. that are different from other people, but to bring their best gifts to any team on which they're currently serving or seeking to serve. So the first capability uh, Lencioni calls the gift of wonder. People with this capability, they're very good at just asking the why question. Why are things the way they are? And they ask the question, gee, I wonder if there's a better way to do this. Think about every major innovative product or service. It begins with someone saying, there's got to be a better way to do this. So the gift of wonder is a, a very important leadership capability. A second one is called invention. You can, you can say, I wonder if there's a better way, but you need someone to, say, to take the first crack at coming up with a new idea. It's, it's creativity, it's original thinking to solve problems. There are some people who are great At asking the why question, I wonder if we could do this differently. It's a different capability for someone to say, you know what, I'm going to come up with an idea that's a better way to make this mousetrap or whatever it is that problem I'm trying to solve. The third capability or gift is called discernment. Uh, People with this gift have a knack for evaluating whether an idea is sound or whether it needs tweaking. These people have the, the innate ability to evaluate the best ideas, avoid the bad ones, and, and frankly, refining the ideas that aren't quite ready for prime time. You need somebody with that capability, discernment. Once
1: again, quick question. Are these, are these qualities that we're born with, Jeff, or qualities that can be taught?
0: These are, these are qualities that we are mostly born with or acquired in our upbringing. Mm. The human personality is fairly well-established by the age of 12. And so these innate capabilities are, are really visible at a very young age. We can certainly get better in these areas, but there is definitely an innate quality with each of these capabilities. Okay, great. Keep going. The fourth one is called galvanizing. We've all met people like this. They're great at motivating people, rallying people, getting people excited, building momentum to get things moving, to get a team moving. So galvanizing is a key. And we all know, we all know people who probably fit in these different categories. The fifth one is called enablement. These are people who are willing to raise their hand. Look, I'll help with that. They contribute to morale. Uh, they're they, they're uh, they're the glue that holds teams together. Uh, we've all had someone, whether it's a sports team or um, an actual team in a in an organization, the, the people who have that capability to they raise their hand and they contribute to morale uh, of others. And the last capability is called tenacity. All these previous capabilities are great. But if you don't have someone to help get the ball across the goal line, that they make sure that the goals are met, they make sure projects are completed on time, they get stuff done, they achieve results, that's a capability. And the leaders that I talk to, a lot of them think that just getting the ball across the goal line is all that matters. But if you get the ball across the goal line and it's a crappy idea, that hasn't been critiqued or fine-tuned, that's not, that idea is not going to get very far. These, these are capabilities that every team needs to have in order to accomplish things. And then I want to see if you have any questions, Scott, and I want to give a couple of real-life examples of teams where one or more of these capabilities was missing and what they did about
1: it. The only thing I would say is, uh, when I was going through the list with you, Jeff, listening carefully, listening, of course, um, is I was thinking to myself, I think I have most of those. But not everybody does. So the question is, can you... taught these things you know is is that part of what Vistage does or do you need to learn it just through experience on on the job and determine that you're a person who does have discernment or is a galvanizing personality you know I'm just wondering how people get here
0: yeah so let me um, let me bring a little different perspective the research Patrick Lantunia's research says that most people are geniuses of no more than two of these Mm -hmm. two of the six Um, for another two of the six we're not very good at and frankly when we have to do it we don't get a lot it's, it's not very fun for us you know, like, yeah, I can, I can be discerning, but you know what? It sucks the energy out of me. I really want somebody else to do it. When I, yeah, if you want me to do it, I'll do it, but I really don't like the work. Mm-hmm. So for most people, they're genius at two. Um, they're, for two of these capabilities, they're very frustrating for them. They're not good at it. They don't enjoy it. They don't get energy from it. And then, the, and then for most of us, there are two of these where it's neither a genius nor a frustration. The trick, the important thing that I want to convey as it relates to these types of working genius is that the trick is not to develop all six. The leadership trick is to make sure you have those capabilities around you. Hmm. So it's recognizing what you are good at and then hiring people who have gifts that are different from yours. I, I, one, of my, one of my litmus tests of leaders is I ask them a general question. Are most of the people on your team like you or different from you? And if somebody says, well, everybody on my team, they're a lot like me. That's frankly a red flag for me, Scott. Mm. When somebody says, oh, my, my, my team members, they are so different from me. I, I take that as a very encouraging sign that they've recognized that the gifts that they bring to the table are important. But they need to get other people to, t- to the table who will complement their gifts with different gifts of their own. Yeah, it's, it
1: makes a lot of sense. It makes a, a huge. sense. Let me, amount
0: let me of tell sense. you a couple of interesting stories. I've worked with a couple of companies um, at, at a very deep level in the form of a leadership uh, development programs, where um, the entire leadership team, um, you know, completed um, a confidential online assessment to really determine and highlight what skills each member of the team brings, and I credit. I credit the two CEOs of this organization who recognized the fact that there were a couple of capabilities that they, they had a whole, they had several people who are really good at those capabilities, but there were one or two capabilities that were missing on the team. Either nobody had that genius or maybe there was only one person um, who had that form of genius. And, uh, what I appreciated about these CEOs is I said, look, we've got to compensate for that. We need to get some of these underrepresented capabilities on our leadership team, and we need to fortify our team, and we need to either bring people in with those capabilities or make sure that we pause long enough to recognize, hey, there's a bunch of questions that... That, that we're not asking. There are things that we're missing here as a team. And this is what great team development looks like, is understanding the unique cap- individual capabilities and their differences from each other and recognizing that we need all of these different capabilities on the team if we really want to set the world on fire.
1: And you know, it sounds like somebody's got to build these questions into the interview. Because when when you're looking for talent, uh, and you know exactly what you're looking for in this case, you've got to ask questions that are going to reveal does the person have this quality? Or you can't just say, yes. "Do you have discernment?" You know, are you yes. a galvanizing person? You know, so you've you've got to ask really probing, revealing questions.
0: Yes, yes, and 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 it, it, it's so. And here's where self awareness is such is such a key thing. Um, it. One of the things that we strive for in Vistage at every meeting is is increasing our level of self-awareness, getting a better understanding of what we're good at and what we're not good at, uh, what we can see clearly, uh, and those things where we have blind spots. And self-awareness is such an important capability for leaders, And the only way you can develop that is if you've got people with different perspectives, different backgrounds, uh, that challenge you and ask you questions that no one else is asking you, and that you don't think to ask yourself. That's a real benefit of the vintage model.
1: Yeah, and I would think that uh, that if we don't get those right qualities that we're looking for, uh, I you know I think uh, interviewers just in general, Jeff, don't don't always do it right. They they don't right. know what to ask. You know that right. you need more professional training and how to conduct. An interview uh, at this yes. at the uh, at the senior vice president level or at the top of the rung letter uh, because you just can't assume people are going to give you the right answers. We're running out of time, Jeff. I want to make sure I give you enough time to give you the website one more time that people will get want uh, for people who want to get involved with Vistage.
0: You bet. So the Vistage website is V as in Victor, I S T A G E Vistage. Dot com V-I-S-T-A-G-E, and um, I can be reached directly on LinkedIn. Uh, my profile is Jeff, J-E-F-F, and then the last name is Oak, just like a tree, O-A-K.
1: All right, yeah. fabulous. You could do a lot worse than reaching out to Jeff Oak. Folks, thanks so much for being here with us today, Jeff, and doing a great job talking about uh, team building and leadership. If you have an idea for radio job write to me, scottp118 at gmail.com. Happy to have you or your idea on the show. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn because all of these shows, including today's show, will be posted on my LinkedIn page. Have a great week, everybody, and happy hunting. May the four winds blow, you